Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Oboe Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. Let's just start, Let's start. and then we can and then we can talk about it here in a bit. Now Are we uh, recording and streaming and all that? I wouldn't say let's start if we weren't. Fair enough. In that case, I'm Jack. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Lauren. And we are Glib Shark. Uh, we are uh, recording this on October 25th, 2016, uh, the birthday of uh, Richard uh, Lewis from uh, Anything But Love. Not really. But first, as always, we have the lovely, the talented, the amazing Obo Crazy here to do a little something that we call This Week in Geek. How are you, Lauren? I'm pretty darn good. We're getting into the holiday season. I'm lining up my gigs. I already have uh, two messiahs and a nutcracker lined up for November and December. So, you know, life is good. What uh, got lined up that none of us were happy about was a DDoS attack. So if you were online on Friday, you probably encountered errors with some of your favorite websites. Say you wanted to go buy something on Amazon or listen to some music on Spotify or go to Twitter or CNN or pay for something with PayPal or go to Reddit. You couldn't do any of that. There was a giant DDoS attack on any of DIN's domain name servers. Uh, it was large enough to take down some of these huge sites that are, are kind of used to this thing. The attack utilized a botnet made up of Internet of Things devices. Uh, so it's like smart TVs, DVRs, internet connected cameras, not actual computers, but things that have computer like qualities that are connected to the internet that really bad people can use to attack sites. So for most of Friday, thanks to this attack, you couldn't access these fun things on the internet. Some information has come out, some has not. The big question is that nobody really has any solid answers yet on who did it. There were rumblings online the attack might have been a state-sponsored one, but an unnamed intelligence official told NBC they've ruled that out, saying it was, quote, classic case of internet vandalism, end quote. Uh, NBC News goes on to report that a senior U.S. official told NBC News the current assessment is that this is internet vandalism. The official said it does not appear at this point to be any kind of directed attack. They don't know how long it will take to say who's responsible and they didn't offer any proof to bolster their claims. We basically just got to take their word for it. The attack was done by basically, as most DDoS attacks are, they're launched on these internet-enabled devices with the Myria botnet. Myria is malware. It recently became open source, allowing anyone to build their own botnet army because that's a good idea. Yeah. And a DDoS attack, for those of you who don't, understand the denial of service attack basically hey say if you're if you're a fan of the rooster teeth website and you try to access the rooster teeth site when ruby went online you might the, the latest episode you might have noticed that the whole site had been taken down it wasn't because of an attack it was because there were so many people trying to log on all at the same time it basically clogged up the servers a ddos attack does that except it does it with fake stuff and it does it to specifically make a site go down. 
instead of, you know, the red versus blue way, which is just, hey, you know, we're fans and we break stuff. The interesting thing about this whole attack is that some of the devices used came from one specific Chinese manufacturer that creates parts for Internet connected webcams. And the company, which I'm not going to try to pronounce because I'll fail miserably, said it would recall the devices utilizing the attack to send out security patches. The they're saying that this is just a coincidence and it wasn't the they weren't the only devices used in the attack, but it seems like a, a variety of the devices used came from this specific manufacturer. The whole thing was kind of scary. It does remind everybody that, hey, the, this Internet thing, it breaks sometimes and it's not necessarily the most stable thing and that hackers still are idiots. Please don't hack us. Anyway, if you want more information, definitely do some Google searching. We may never actually figure out what happened, but it's over. So go buy some stuff on Amazon and go listen to some Spotify and go on Reddit because those are all worthwhile endeavors for, you know, the font of all knowledge. Moving on from more serious to less serious news, let's talk a little bit about Marvel stuff. I'm going to go through this really quick because they're basically just headlines Hey, are you excited about Jessica, the new Jessica Jones series that's coming out? We are, especially since they've just announced that every single episode of the next season of Jessica Jones will be directed by a woman, which is kind of cool. Now, the first season of Jessica Jones already had way more women involved than most TV shows. Uh, the first season had uh, let me get the numbers here jessica jones had a female showrunner there were female writers and directors uh women made up one third of the directors in the first season which might not sound like a lot but that's twice the average for tv shows last year less than 18 percent of television episodes had female directors jessica jones being one of them so the fact that this year they've gone out of their way to get all female directors for every single show is kind of cool on to slightly other um, Marvel news. Hey, have you wanted some of these awesome Netflix show superheroes or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to show up in the Marvel movies? And you've been told over and over again it's probably not going to happen. It's still not going to happen. But Kevin Feige actually came out with a pretty good reason, in my opinion. So for a very long time... Marvel in general has been saying that while the TV shows and the movies all are an interconnected universe, don't expect to see people from the TV shows showing up on the movies and for the most part, vice versa, with a few exceptions. And Feige finally came up with kind of, or not came up, but came out with a really good reason. He basically said the people on the TV shows deserve to be introduced into the movies with the same care and concern that say Black Panther and Spider-Man got or um, Wanda and Pietro or the Vision and Ultron and that they deserve more than just a background cameo shot. He is quoted as saying, I think it's extremely impressive what Netflix has, Netflix has done and it will be the same answer I always give, which is it depends on the timing. It all depends on how to do it because I don't think what anybody wants to do is have such important characters show up for one second. 
Black Panther and Spider-Man to me are the high bar in Civil War and how you bring in new characters into something. Vision and Ultron, Wanda and Pietro and Ultron. And it takes a lot of screen time and it takes a lot of work. Infinity War has a lot of people in it already. So it just depends on how we could figure it out. So it's not a no, but I am a little heartened by the fact that they're not going to throw these characters in there for a two-second cameo what they want to do is if they're going to have Luke Cage show up somewhere, he won't just be there to be eye candy for an Easter egg. He will be there. He will be introduced and he will get a, a proper part in the show, in the movie. And I, I kind of think that's the way to do it. I think that's the best way to go about doing it. But, you know, that's just my opinion. And finally, Donald Glover is going to be young Lando Calrissian. Yes. Duh. I mean, come on. Really? I I know there was some doubt, but is anyone really surprised by this? It's it's yeah, it's Donald Glover. He's gonna be young Lando. That's all for this week in Geek. I'm Obo Crazy, and I like to end things out on a well duh moment. The world is indeed a Lando place. If you have a fact that you want read live and on the air, you can send it to Lauren at obocrazy.com. And while you're at it, go to glibshark.com, full of all the episodes of uh, Late Night Jenga Jam, uh, Back in the Day, uh, Back in the Day Buttcast, uh, Modern Glibshark, and of course, Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, uh, where you can, speaking of which, subscribe to uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, not only via using the RSS feed on the link, but we have an iTunes feed now. So be sure to hop on to whatever service it is, uh, rate us, leave us a review, subscribe. It, it helps people find the show. And if you like listening to us make fools of ourselves and drunkenly navigate this amazing world that Lauren has created for us, you know, rate us and review us. It'll, it'll help. Yes, please. And it sounds like you guys are happy about the casting of Lando. Oh, absolutely. Donald Glover. I mean, there was talk for a long time, a couple of years ago, about him being cast as the Miles Morales version of Spider-Man. But uh, but Lando is another sort of geek tentpole that I, I could see it being right up his alley. Yeah, well, he's, he's a great actor. And really, that's that's my first bar. Is, is this person a good actor? And do they fit the part? And I... As I said in the piece, it's kind of a duh. He's a great actor and he fits the part, so why not? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of cross-branding opportunities here. They could bring back Colt 45 and have uh, Donald Glover <laughs> do commercials for it. I would – I mean, you can have a good time without Colt 45, but but I wouldn't recommend it. Or you know what? <laughs> Donald, you're, you're, you're busy. I got you. You're, you're focusing on being a serious actor, focusing on Atlanta, focusing on Lando. So maybe let me do you a solid. Let me be the spokesman for Colt 45. I got the sweaters <laughs> and the swagger for it. I'll do it. You're going to take this one off his plate? Yeah, just sort of you know, pinch hit for now. Pinch hitting for Donald Glover, Jack Edithill for Colt 45. <laughs> <laughs> eh, he, he doesn't have to completely follow in, in all of the footsteps. And it, it's been a very long time since you've seen really alcohol commercials like that in general. I mean, I think they're illegal. I think you can't have like, there are certain alcohols that you can't have TV commercials for. Um, well, I, I say that, but like, I guess Jack Daniels and sale Jerry, I've seen commercials for. Yeah. So I, I mean, and then it you may know, be a time timeline. It may be, you know, oh, uh, right. safe yeah. Harbor kind of thing. 
Yeah, yeah. You may have Those to be past 10 o'clock at night or it might be, uh, it might also depend on the kind of alcohol. Beer and hard liquor may have different, um, hey, but audience that's not true, at though. home. I see Mila Kunis you, uh, advertising Jim Bean all the time. Uh, you know, Patrick Stewart doing Strongbow, which is more of a cider, granted. But like, oh, what's her face? Claire Forliani doing those stupid Be Careful Angus commercials for, I think, Jameson? Are, no, isn't that all oh, on yeah. TV? Yeah. Oh, TV. Okay. Oh, well, you mean if you movies? I, I was talking about strictly TV. No, I just, I haven't had a cable subscription in forever. And uh -huh. I think the internet has different rules about that kind of thing. So I was wondering, you know, are you seeing these on YouTube? Are you seeing them on Twitch? Are you seeing them on Amazon? Or is this like NBC at four o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> but hey, you know, it's, <laughs> it's gotta be, it's gotta be five o'clock somewhere. Why not? <laughs> Ideas for a future episode, how to make NBC more interesting at four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This this brings up a random question. I don't know if I've ever asked you gentlemen this before, uh, but this is a question I like asking people. When is the earliest you've ever had an alcoholic drink? So like you've woken up. I'm not talking about like I stayed up all night. So I was drinking two o'clock in the morning. You've gone to sleep. You've woken up and now you are going to have an alcoholic beverage. What's the earliest time that you've done that? Um, I want to say like nine or ten a.m. Do you remember what it was? It was like mimosas and stuff, or was yeah, it... it was like a it was like a mimosa. It was like um, it was either a mimosa or a bloody mary. I mean, I have I have I tend to have those pretty early. Hmm. Jenga. Uh, there was a stretch for a little bit of time towards two thousand eight or two thousand nine, where every now and again in the morning, I put a little bit of liquor into my orange juice to get me going. It's not something I'm very proud of. But it's it's there, so mm, yeah, do with it like, as you will. I for me, it was always on vacation, like um, like if I was on a cruise or if I was at RTX. I know there have been some or RVBTO, even going that far back, there have been some rough mornings where it's like, uh, oh yeah, or, well the beer I like, had for breakfast wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert. <laughs> a little hair of the dog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think the time sometimes, like, if there's a half-drunken beer, like, lying around, like, and I'm so terrible about this, like, I would finish it off. But usually when, when those are lying around, I, I'm kind of hungover. I'm waking up around 3 or 4 anyway, which is a, a, a borderline more respectable hour. But but these days, if I am going to have booze during, like, the morning, it's it's strictly in a brunch capacity. Yeah, brunch is, brunch is pretty... It, it, I have to have some early morning booze. But like I said, I, like... RTX that weekend, a lot of shit goes down. So it's like, yeah, uh, it, you're going to have a little booze early. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even these days, like the most drinking that I do is probably either doing Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks with you guys or um, or if I'm traveling to, to a convention or something and uh, and hanging out with you guys and I'll drink a little more. And I've, you know, once in a while I'll indulge, but I don't really drink that much anymore. So I will admit that one of the reasons I like asking this question and that I've thought of this question, and this is kind of my, my backup go-to question if I ever actually would stand up at some kind of convention to ask a question, especially the Rooster Teeth guys, um, is because the earliest I've ever had an alcoholic beverage after waking up is eight o'clock in the morning, I had boxed wine. Did I ever tell you guys the story of being on tour 
and having boxed wine at eight o'clock in the morning. Regale us with tales of boxed tour bacchanalia, back boxed wine bacchanalia. Okay. I don't know if I've ever told the story. I'll keep it short. Uh, many years ago, I got to go on a two-week tour with the Moscow Chamber Orchestra. When you ask how did I end up on an American tour with the Moscow Chamber Orchestra, the short answer is I knew the right people. They were awesome. It was amazing. During the tour, it was mostly bust to here, there, and everywhere, and then every once in a while get on a plane. And one morning, we woke up to get on a bus to go to the airport to get on a plane. And um, most of the people on the bus spoke mostly Russian, not a lot of English. They sat me next to uh, Stas, the bass player who spoke the best English. And it is eight o'clock in the morning and we are on our way to the airport and I hear cheering from the front of the bus. And the concertmaster stands up and he's got his, um, one of the other violinists with him and they have a box of wine and they have solo cups and they're passing out solo cups and filling them with the box wine. Stas, what's going on? Why are they passing out? Oh, it's uh, the birthday of the one of the uh, viola players. We celebrate her birthday. Um, now eight o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's a little early to be drinking, and we're heading to the airport. It's she be she's born right now, and so we celebrate right now. So who am I to argue with a whole bunch of Russians who want to celebrate the birthday of one of their fellows on a bus going to the airport? You are no one to argue with that. Absolutely right. not. So when they came my way with the box and the solo cups, I, I got myself a little bit of, of box wine in a solo cup. And the concertmaster stood at the, the front of the bus and made what I'm sure is a very lovely little toast to the uh, viola player whose birthday it was. It was all in Russian, so I didn't understand any of it. They uh, said cheers to her, and then everybody downed their wine like it was a shot. And the the solo cup that I had, it wasn't half-filled. It was a little under half-filled, and everyone just downed it. And I'm like, well, here we go. So, yeah, I had about a third of a cup of box wine at 8 o'clock in the morning on my way to the airport with a bunch of Russians. Wow, what does it say about me that I think that, hey, well, if you have to drink at 8 o'clock in the morning, box wine seems to be a pretty responsible choice. That's, I, that's where my mind goes with that. I, I can't say it was my favorite alcoholic experience as far as taste, but, you know, I'm not a wine drinker, so what do I know? And it's the best, it's the best story by far. It's the, like the story makes it, but yeah. the and the experience was amazing, but yeah. I don't know if I would recommend without the that whole experience to wrap around it. I would not recommend recommend box wine at eight o'clock in the morning. That's a fair point. It certainly I mean, wasn't I was expecting when I woke up that morning. I mean, I could maybe see White's in Fandel because I feel like that wine was made for boxing. For boxing. it was red. I do, I don't remember anything. It was definitely a red wine. Ah, uh, in okay. a box. Might have been a Merlot then. It. I am not it, drinking a Merlot. <laughs> I, was at, so, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I won't go into details, but I will say that my my diet and alcoholic consumption has required some change here recently. And part of that change is I'm focusing a lot more on uh, clear liquors and wine. And I was talking to a friend of ours about wines. She is very knowledgeable about wine. And I was like, well, she recommended a wine called Tanat, which if you've listened to some recent Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, you've heard me uh, recommend this wine. 
Well, I wanted to expand and I, I wanted to get some ideas about some other reds that I could try, specifically red wine. And we were talking about it and the subject of a Merlot came up and we both instantly thought of that fucking line from Sideways, which is not a great movie. But as far as memorable lines go, the I am not drinking a Merlot just kind of sticks in your head. <laughs> and and thusly, like, I have no reason not to drink Merlot. Like, I'm not like I don't I don't have enough experience to like or dislike it, but I just refuse to drink it out of principle because of that line. <laughs> so you're just afraid of Paul Giamatti quietly judging you while you while you sit for your mobile. Well, you know what? He played the rhino for like two seconds in that awful <laughs> Spider-Man. So he is in no position to judge anyone. That's true, and yet I still would not want him silently sitting there judging me. Oh he's man. creepy. Or Thomas Hayden Church. Where has he been in the last ten years? Uh, like, he's on I, the- he is actually on a new show with another person who hasn't done much recently, Sarah Jessica Parker, on HBO called Divorce. Oh, interesting. Good to see Ned keeps keeping busy. Yeah, and, and the reason why, well, the only reason I know that is because I've been watching some HBO recently because Westworld is fucking awesome. And and just as a just as a warning, last 10, 15 minutes of the show, we are going to go into episodes one through three spoilers for Westworld. Yeah, I I've seen a bunch of those commercials for the exact same reason, and I I have to admit it doesn't look like anything I would be interested in watching. No, I mean it's uh, yeah, it's a little, it, it, for me personally, it hits a little close to home. So I'm just like, eh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not bother. I I'm good. I'm okay. I don't, I don't just, need to watch it. Yeah, although I will admit. Um, half of it could be Sarah Jessica Parker for me. I just don't find her interesting, intriguing, funny, witty. Uh, I'm, I'm sure she's fine. It, it's probably just the stuff she's in is not for me, but uh, not interested. It's it's funny, though, because there's a lot of Sarah Jessica Parker in the air because I, I don't know what it is. Like a lot of my female friends, everyone between the age, all of them between the ages of 30 and 39 love um, the movie Hocus Pocus. I've never seen it before. But it's like it's like their go-to Halloween movie. I think even uh, Jill, one of my people I follow on Twitter, changed her name to Amuck 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 Amuck, which I think is a line from, from the trailer. <laughs> yes, it's, yeah, yeah. I I I I may have to see this movie. The Witches, I think, is a deeper cut. I I like that movie. Who was in that? Bet, I think Bette Midler was in it. Or, no, no, it was uh, Angelica Houston was the villainess in that one. Oh, the I did not like the Witches. I thought it was super what? creepy. Oh man, I love that movie. I, 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 saw I it was did a little not kid. like it. Yeah, so uh, so did I. And I was just like, I just felt like, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it was the mouse transformation that really got me of the kid. That was uh. especially grotesque. So I was just like, eh, no, I, I'm good. I didn't. I remember I I've, I've seen Hocus Pocus, but it's been a long time. And yeah, yeah, it I, was like it was Bette Midler, Bette Midler, Kathy Najimy, and Sarah Jessica Parker were the witches in that. Yeah, I yeah. think I saw it when it first came out, and I have no memory of this movie except I know I've seen it. It's it's funny. Like I was thinking about all these creepy movies that came out. Like Disney is known primarily for you know their animation and their kid friendly stuff, but there was a stretch of time in like the late seventies, early eighties where, and I know this because I I watch the stuff like you know on VHS and stuff like that, um, like Escape to Witch Mountain where there were kind of movies with this creepy kind of sci-fi vibe to them. 
you guys remember Escape to Witch Mountain? I remember Maybe. the uh, the remake. Yeah, or the, in, yeah, in, in the original, I think these kids are like supposedly like they're on the run from the government, but really they're aliens or something, and they're trying to get back to the the mountain because that's where their dad is, and their dad's an alien or something. I mean, it's been a long time since. I mean, we're talking like twenty plus years since I've well, no more than that, uh, twenty five years at least since I've seen it. But uh, but there was a time where they were kind of going dark, different places with it. Well, and a lot of their live action stuff, especially in the the seventies and the eighties, and even even earlier, it, it had a a weird kind of craziness to it. It it's you know bedknobs and broomsticks and Herbie the Lovebug and all of that stuff. Herbie they're like was awesome. wainy, yeah, they're wainy, zany and wacky. And then every once in a while, they're a little disturbing. Yeah. Peach Dragon. I mean, they're remaking that now, but like the original Peach Dragon was one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. That's a sad movie. Yeah, but I think I I guess I'm kind of like Eeyore, where it's like I carry that sadness with me, but there's also that amazing rainbow up on that hill where I sit and watch it by myself at the end of the, at the end of the storms, and that's why you sit through the storm the whole time because you get to see this amazing rainbow come through, come out at the end. I was too busy watching The Empire Strikes Back over and over and over ah. on VHS. <laughs> and and the first 20 minutes of Jedi, I basically, that's, that was my childhood was, um, or that was my high school years, I should say, is the, the first uh, Empire Strikes Back and the first 20 minutes of Jedi just until they get rescued from Jabba's palace. And then that's it. No more which, of Jedi. Which wasn't Disney at the time. No. But is Disney now. So maybe yes. we can retroactively... Make that retcon that into no. having always no. been Disney. No, come on, Superboy Prime. Just gotta punch a wall and make it happen. That's not even the right company. But uh, if he punches hard enough, it'll affect one company over. Speaking of which, you guys hear about the whole uh, AT and T uh, Time Warner deal? Yeah, I, yes. did, I heard about that yesterday. Uh, that sounds like it's gonna be fucking awful. Yeah. So like. Is antitrust just like dead and has it been dead for the past twenty years? It's just like well, clearly, I mean, yeah. the ca- mm-hmm. like you cable companies can carve out territories and agree not to compete with each other. So totally, I mean, it's on that's on a smaller scale, but this uh, this AT and T Time Warner deal that's I mean, AT and T already had they already bought up sync they were already broken up once. Right, and then they reformed, and now this is like a Katamari of other stuff. Like they broke the original Katamari, and now it's it's bigger. It's gotten bigger, and it's absorbing more shit. Yeah, at the same time, though, like I've I've read some analysis of it. Some people are seeing it as a sign of desperation on the part of both companies because they're facing such stiff competition from you know uh, companies like Google and Facebook and the the big and Apple and the ones the big like tech giants, right? And where the old media, uh, vis-a-vis cable, or uh, I mean, even cell phones, you wouldn't think about as old media, but compared to, you know, some of the stuff we have now, it is relatively older. It's interesting to see that they feel like they need to do this to, in order to stay competitive with companies like like Verizon or the other ones. Uh, I'm not really happy about what this will mean for for content. I remember in the 2000s, remember when AOL bought Time Warner, like almost like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. One of the best things to ever come out of that was uh, Marvel, before they got bought out by Disney, was competing with DC, which of course is a Time Warner subsidiary. So the the editor-in-chief and publisher of uh, of Marvel, uh, Joe Quesada and a guy named Bill Jemis, respectively, were always good about like needling DC with this quote-unquote friendly rivalry. So they started calling DC Comics AOL Comics. 
And, you know, the, the DC people did not like that at all. So now I guess we'll call, call them AT&T comics. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess that's how they're getting away with it not being a, a, a conglomerate, you know, monopoly thing is because it's, it's companies that ostensibly one is buying out another and they don't directly compete in a lot of ways. It's, right. you know, it's so I guess that's a, how they're getting, yeah, that's how they're getting around vertical it. integration as opposed to horizontal. I'm not sure yeah. I'm, right, I'm using the right term there, but basically meaning that because they're not buying a competitor, they're not buying Time Warner Cable, which is a completely different company. It's just, they're looking to get more content to, uh, to, 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 to push to people. Although, if it means that AT&T customers get to stream like, you know, free, you know, Time Warner Brothers films to their their movies. I mean, that that's kind of steps on net neutrality a little bit, too. But I mean, well, if it's yeah, a special I, service, I know, not necessarily. I don't know that it would necessarily like overtly trounce on neutrality. It it, it shouldn't. Right. I if it's like an extra There's feature. enough people watching this to where as soon as something like that happens, People, the flags are going to go up and they'll start being hearings. And I don't think either company wants that right now. They want this deal to happen so that that means that they have to abide by net neutrality. Oh, God, that's so terrible. Then then that's something that they're going to do. Because if, if it is, like you said, desperation, then they're, they're really going to want that uh, this deal to close. And I, I don't as think... As quickly as possible. Yeah, and I don't think if deals are going to be offered to customers, I think it's going to be more like um, the Amazon Prime, Twitch Prime thing in where you know, they're going to stay away from being able to offer faster or slower services because that's that's been key buzzwords for net neutrality. But they could certainly be like, hey, if you're a Time Warner cable subscriber and you have a cell phone plan with AT&T you'll get discounts you know like monetary discounts for well except that you know Time Warner Cable is a whole different like thing like there's Time Warner the entertainment company and then Time Warner Cable is a separate thing so AT&T made it clear that they're actually not trying to acquire Time Warner Cable oh it's time it's Time Warner it's just Time Warner the actual entertainment company yeah so it's like that makes it the case against them you know trying to congratulate them but at some point you know, 10 years from now, are we looking at this deal the way, like, if someone told you, hey, uh, Kodak is going to buy Jostin's Ring Company, like, two companies that are so, or what's, who makes photo albums anymore? I, I, I have know. no idea. Like, I have no or idea. Or like a typewriter company buying a word processor company. Like, that's the way it is it looked at, I think it'll be looked at in 10, 15 years from now. Or maybe not, because this is still big money. And if these companies are smart, they'll change with the times. They will yeah. continue, you know. AT&T managed to, they, they still do landline stuff, but they've managed to get into the cell phone market. And for a very long time, you couldn't have an iPhone unless you had a plan through AT&T. So they've still managed to to keep fairly relevant these days. So I, yeah. I wouldn't count them as too desperate. That's a fair point. I mean, maybe they're going to maintain a Microsoft level of relevance going forward. And that's still pretty relevant. <laughs> If you ask anybody who works in an office whether that Microsoft is important or not. I did have for a very long time a an AT&T uh, webmail address. That was my email address from I want to say when I was in high school through college and well into graduate school and when I graduated because it was free, it was easy and at the time it was one of those 
this is my email address and it's like my phone number. I want to keep it the same so people can contact me. And it wasn't until relatively recently in my life that I that I bought a domain and got myself my own email address and gave that up. So AT&T, like I still remember having that webmail at att.net address. Oh, yeah. I was AT&T customer for uh, over 10 years. Like my first cell phone was through AT&T. Then they became singular. And then right around the time I got my iPhone, they became AT&T again. Yeah. And I only switched last year because I wanted I was grandfathered into that, you know, unlimited data, which AT&T doesn't offer anymore. But I wanted to add my wife to my plan because she had previously been on, you know, either her brother's plan or a parent's plan, something like that. And I wanted to get her on my plan, and there's no way to do that and maintain unlimited data with AT and T. So I just yeah. made the I just made the jump to Sprint. And unlimited data is yeah, they they throttled after a while, but I do kind of miss not being able to do like web searches and be on the phone at the same time. But it's not often that I'm on the phone anymore. It's like it's all text these days, right? Like I'll talk to my wife on the way home, and uh, every now and again someone will call. But for the most part, primary driver communication is is text. Yeah, that's that's most of the time, except on Thursdays where um, actually I spend most of my on the phone time in the car. And that's mostly Thursdays when Luke and I get in the car to drive to our friend's house to go play uh, D&D with my home game because of the traffic and the time that we leave. It can often take like 30 to 40 minutes to get there, even though it's on the way home. It's really only about a 20 minute drive. And that has become the time and where I connect my phone via Bluetooth to my car and I call my parents and we chat. Uh, so yes, calling your parents ever. I mean, and the reason for you to do it, like I, I feel I'm really bad about this. When I moved out, like, so I, they only live 45 minutes away and I see them at church, but like I, mom, dad, if you're listening, sorry, I don't call home more often. I will try and do better job of that. Mom, dad, I, if you're listening, please stop listening. <laughs> mom, dad, nice if you're listening, Matt. I love you. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually don't remember the moment that I that that became a thing. It's it's relatively recent, like in the last couple of months. And it was one of those like, oh, I haven't I, I was pretty good about calling my parents once every week, every other week kind of thing, because, yeah, they they live on the opposite side of the country for me. And. Um, if I don't call and get updates, all of a sudden I find out uh, someone's in the hospital or this happened, you know, some major life event happens and I find out about it like three weeks later. So I try to be good about calling and that just became a super convenient thing. Um, and so now it's once a week, Thursdays on my way to D and give him a call. It gives us just enough time to chat. And eventually dad starts to tell stories about his dog and we get a couple of good stories. And then it's time for me to get out of the car, which is good. Cause then he just wants to tell all the stories mm. and I love my dad and, and I love his dog, but Oh my God, there's only so many stories I can hear about his dog. Hmm. It's like a small child. Intriguing spinoff idea. We may have to revisit revisit this later on. Dad and his dog? Uh, Yeah. Just stories of dads and their dogs. I mean, they're the kind of stories that, like, I'm vaguely interested in because it's my dad and it's my, um, essentially, brother at this point. 
but not really any stories that I would like, oh, let me regale you with the story of, you know, dad taking dog to uh, training classes because he's trying to get him to be a therapy dog or, you know, oh, the the funny things they did during Halloween or the, the interesting things that happened with deer. Like, it's... I find them fun because it's my family, but I definitely don't think it'd be something like, you know, a new segment on Glib Shark where I relay stories about my dad and his dog. <laughs> the story of how the dog got, got into the box wine. A boy and his dog. Yeah. And his box okay. wine. And his box wine. No, my, my dad has a little more respect than that. He would at least feed. Um, the, my parents have become wine snob-ish. Like, they're not really snobs because they're super happy if they can find a bottle of wine that they like that's inexpensive. Um, but they've certainly developed a much more cultured taste. So and a nice so, Australian Shiraz. They actually got super happy with some of the uh, the wines on the West Coast in, in Washington. They were really impressed. But yeah, I mean, they've mentioned Australian wines. They, they try all sorts of random shit. So yeah, if the dog was to ever get into alcohol, and he shouldn't because dogs shouldn't drink, <laughs> never let your dog drink and drive. Um, he'd probably <laughs> get drunk on a, on a pretty nice bottle of wine. Uh, yeah, I mean... I've heard stories of my beagle, like this is before I was in the picture, like every now and again, like drinking beer. Apparently there are beers that he likes and beers that he doesn't. He won't touch the hard stuff. Good dog. But I always <laughs> set joke that if uh, beagles are tend to be a, a, a little bit slightly longer lived breed, like the like the life expectancy is anywhere from like 12 to like 17 years. So on the off stands that we take care of good care of Ricky and he lives to 21, I've decided that he deserves it. Once he's of age, he deserves a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there you go. I don't I don't think my dad is intentionally feeding the dog wine anytime soon. Although I'm certain there are times in where he wishes he could get the dog drunk. My mom <laughs> especially wishes she could get the dog drunk. I mean, it's a husky. They are demanding animals. Yeah, I mean, we have we have stairs now, so I don't know how how good a combination stairs plus alcohol plus tight plus a beagle would be. I'm guessing not so great. So. Listen, stairs plus alcohol plus me are, are a bad combination. <laughs> Throw a dog into the mix. That, that, and that's a recipe, especially a dog with such a low center of gravity. Yeah. Aww. Oh, man. Yeah. Drunk wah, dog. Wah. Drunk dog. T tweet your drunk dog stories at GlibShark. Use the hashtag <laughs> drunk dog. Oh, if we get I want to just I'll create so that Twitter handle now. What, drunk dog? Yeah. Yeah, I just want to create a drunk dog Twitter and just have it be one of those uh, one of those one off Twitters and where every once in a while I just I just tweet as a drunk dog. I uh, I follow that account. You'd follow it for about five days, which is about how long I would be interested in it, and then it would drop off. Hmm. Speaking of dropped off, Jack Chick is dead. Seamless. Just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast professional. I I I tweeted about that yesterday and you, it's one of those weird things where you don't want to like revel in someone's death. Right. At the same time, there are people who die and the world is a better place now that they're gone. And Jack Chick was definitely one of those people where the world is going to be a better place. Now, those who don't know, Jack Chick is a basically a super religious nut job that got the idea that he, in order to spread his beliefs, he was going to create comics based on 
the the ills of society. Uh, he had one about pots and drugs where the the famous frame from that is like kids dancing and say, let's do pot. And then the next guy says, and deny Christ. <laughs> I <laughs> Which, which the few context. times that you know that I've that I've uh, that I've partaken, I I definitely did not do that. That was not a thing. Yeah, and just how his twisted version of what Christianity was, which excluded you know any kind of respect for anyone who is you know Jewish or, or Muslim or Catholic, which he didn't see as Christian. I think one of his tracks so that's what they called his little comic like books or whatever was called Death Cookie. And it was about how like the concept of communion was just sort of like satanic. And uh, so not a big Jack Chick fan, as you can imagine. But the reason why I brought him up, and I'm not sure if it's going to make it yet, uh, but we recorded Dungeons, Dragons, and Drunks last, uh, last night. And that was when I found out that Jack shit. Jack shit. That's not <laughs> exactly what her name. That Jack shit. Had, <laughs> damn it, I did it again. Jack Chick had died. By far, at least for me, his most famous comic was something called Dark Dungeons. And it tells a story of, a, and this is actually kind of progressive, oddly enough, a girl going and playing Dungeons and Dragons with a group that also included like three other girls. I think the group was actually mostly girls, which if you're going to give Jack Jack Chick credit for anything, it's for saying, hey, girls can play D&D too. But anyway, the point is, is that this girl starts playing D&D and then gets into the occult and then actually starts casting spells. And the, but then, is, then is, is brought back to the light after one of her friends commits suicide because her character died. Because that's totally how Dungeons and Dragons that's works. how it works, is that when your character dies, it's dead and gone forever. There's no such thing as resurrection or reincarnation or any number of ways you could bring back a level nine character. But Hey, who are we, who are we to, to nitpick at pedantic little details? Yeah. Never anyway. mind the suicide pact that I signed at the beginning of doing Dungeons and Dragons and the drunks. Yeah. It's a good thing. Travancore hasn't, uh, hasn't died yet. I mean, that's why I always get nervous when, uh, when Jonathan, the magic muscular goes down, I'm like, yeah, that's one more saving throw. I better go get yeah. the razor. Spoiler alert: If Shadow dies and stays dead, I only use I only lose the use of my legs. Guys, this got dark very fast, and yeah. I'm only going to throw level one goblins at you for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, but that's that's the ridiculousness that's in these things, and and I, I'm going to be quite frank right now. I did not have a very high opinion of Dungeons and Dragons when I was first introduced. I remember I picked up like the the red box starter set like ages ago when I was a kid. We got oh, it from a garage sale. Well, I didn't really understand the game. Like I was a pretty bright kid, but Dungeons and Dragons kind of confounded me because it was like I was used to structure and rules when I learned a game. And even though there were rules, it kind of seemed you could do anything and so i really didn't see the point uh, so i i, I kind of fell out of it and when i was reintroduced in like high school and the beginning of college i did like i said i didn't have a very high opinion of it it was to me people pretending to be elves and other shit and i was just like not interested i remember there was actually a big game that was going on with my friends in our dorm and i refused to participate because i was like no i i don't want to pretend to be a fucking elf i don't I, that's not something that i'm interested in it wasn't until I it, like 
it was spun sort of a different way. And it's one of the reasons why Jonathan the Magimuscular is kind of built the way he is, because I play Dungeons and Dragons very much like a tactical uh, uh, miniature game versus a role playing game. That's that's just my style. And that's what got me into the game. And since then, I've come to appreciate a lot of the other like storytelling elements. But but that was where I started. And I, I'll be honest, uh, if I had read that Dark Dungeons comic early enough, I probably it would have influenced me. And that's scary considering what I do now. So that influence, the fact that that's gone is a good thing. My first experience with the Chick Track was something I found, like I read it, and it was called Allah Has No Son, and it was sort of an argument against Islam, basically saying like, oh, they claim to be an Abrahamic religion, but they're not even really, and it was completely fraudulent, but I was like 10 when I read it, so my sister found it, and then she sat me down and kind of explained to me what Islam actually was. And that was super cool of her. I mean, she was studying, I think, at Temple at the time, or maybe she was thinking about it, I think, you know, 14, trying to do the math here, but, and you know that's but that's dangerous. Like they get to like they're designed largely for to indoctrinate children, which I think is insidious. I mean, I love like comics and cartoons and sequential art in general. I've I've oh, one of the founding tenets of this broadcast was me talking to web web comics artists and and comic book art authors that I liked, and to see somebody take that art form and turn it to something so sinister, so devious. Uh, it made me really angry. So, Jonathan, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not going to celebrate anyone's death necessarily, but definitely, I think now that he is gone, it's time for these discredited ideas to sort of fall to the wayside. And as Absolutely. someone who hadn't heard about this guy until literally a day ago, I can say uh, that it's awesome because Hearthstone. <laughs> Sorry, Luke is playing Hearthstone. Um, the only good thing that has come out of this is I've now learned a new word, which is dispensationalism. Because I had to look up some stuff about who this guy was and what the hell is he doing. And I saw a word that I didn't know. And so now I know all about dispensationalism, which is kind of a crazy religious thing. I wouldn't recommend it. But hey, new words. Yep. This has been the vocabulary hour with Jonathan, Jack and Lauren. I think we since last week was was sort of a, a I believe a shorter episode. We'll go a little bit long tonight if that's okay with you guys, um, because I feel like we have more to talk about just just in general before we get to Westworld. I can go a little bit longer, but literally right after this, we're watching that next episode of Westworld, so oh, I, I well, don't we'll want to tarry too long. Right, we'll keep it. We'll keep the spoiler cast pretty short, but yeah. There, there are a couple of things that I wanted to go over, uh, one of which was the the fact that if you've been watching the stream, you have noticed that I have been playing Civilization VI. And that came out while I was on vacation. So I'll talk briefly about my vacation and then I'll talk about Civ Six because I got to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico this last weekend. Ooh, wow. And now I want to sing Weird Al Yankovic. In Albuquerque. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. It was so I was originally supposed to go to Tulsa this last weekend to meet up with a bunch of people, uh, some friends from from the Internet. And we're going to get together in Tulsa and drink beer and do all that stuff. Well, a lot of stuff happened and the trip fell through. So I was like, well, I mean, I had Friday off. 
why don't we go to why don't we go to Albuquerque? Because I had never been, and Lisa had never been to New Mexico, so we decided to go, and it was a fucking blast. Nice. Did you do anything in specific? Yes, we. So we it, we kind of branded it as a as a Pokemon Go trip, oddly enough. So. <laughs> We we got to we got to our hotel and then we went to the we went out to dinner at a really great like Mexican seafood restaurant that was right next to our hotel and there was a Pokestop like right there so immediately we started getting tons of Pokemon. We then went to the University of New Mexico campus and walked around there. I gotta say that is a really nice campus. It is very walkable. It was dark, but it was it was very safe feeling. There were tons of people around. Uh, tons of students. The auditorium there is where a lot of the shows like traveling companies of schools. So the Lion King was there that night, which made parking a little hairy, but ultimately it was, it wasn't bad. And, uh, and then the next day we went to, we went to the Petroglyphs natural monument. And then we went to lunch at a place called Sadie's, which was only okay. We also took a picture at uh, Walter White's house. <laughs> breaking bad we we found it and then we we drove past and there is a very very obvious this is private property no no intruders or no trespassers so all we did was we stayed in the car and kind of slowly drive by while i took a picture and then uh and then we went to the the zoo which is part of like the big albuquerque like biopark which is like the combined zoo aquarium and botanical gardens we didn't get to do the aquarium or botanical gardens, uh, but we did spend a ton of time at the zoo. And and again, just tons and tons of Pokemon. Like it was a really, really lucrative weekend. And uh, we even held the the gym that was right near the Petroglyphs National Monument. There's like three trails and we went on the Boco Negro one. And that gym we held until just a few minutes ago. Nice. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And that that was it wasn't they weren't hard trails, definitely not like the hike that I went on a few weeks ago, but it was the, some of them were were pretty uphill and it was well worth it. Like just standing among this this history, this written account of of the of the Native Americans that lived around there. It was just it was awe-inspiring. It was it was really really cool. Very cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, New Mexico is on the list of 20 states I haven't been to yet, so definitely very high on my list. Yeah, and uh, and we also we went to their Old Town District, which is kind of like their, hey, tons of tons of shopping and stuff. We went to a steakhouse called High Noon, and Jack, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, uh, you, I, and Izzy went to uh, Max the Max Wine, uh, Wine Dive Bar right yeah. near the convention center in Austin. Uh, do you remember the steak that I had, the Wagyu beef? Uh, I thought it was, yeah, that, sound, that sounds right. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember you and Izzy's reaction. Uh, they were it was both, a really good steak. Oh, man. They, you, you, Izzy had an especially exaggerated reaction. Yes, she did. <laughs> and it was, uh, it, it, we, we, were, we were already drunk, so, so there was that. Uh, this steakhouse had a portion of Wagyu beef, and it was really, really, really good. I loved it. It was it was such a great trip, though. Now I want some beef. I kind of always want beef. Beef. Our sound producer is Jonathan Wagyu Beef Stir. Stir. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We'll 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 sign off once we're done with uh with Westworld here. 
Oh yeah, well, I haven't seen it yet. You, I, I haven't seen anything yet. I'm looking forward to hearing what your first impressions are. Well, I will well, say non-spoilery before and in streamers audience, we are about to get into spoilers for episodes one, two, and three of the new HBO series Westworld. If you are still watching and haven't and are, are on the fence about watching, all I can say is watch it, come back and listen to this because we're going to have some thoughts, but it is an excellent show. Well, there you go. So you may have heard some words at the beginning of the show. That's Bob Ball. He's a voice actor and he does the uh, the opening for us. And you may have heard some music and that ditty was done by Linnea Boyev. Thank you so much to both of you. And on behalf of Jonathan, Lauren, and the entire Gloop Shark staff, this is Jack Edithel saying good night, good health, and stay wagyu, my friends. Mm, beef. Cool. All right. Spoiler cast time. All right. Yay! I'm going to drop off so I don't hear Morning. anything. I want to watch this show. Take care, guys. Yes. All right. Have a good okay. one. All right. Okay. All right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. God. So I'm, I'm just going to drop what is probably the biggest spoiler role because it's been something that Luke and I have discussed for the first couple of episodes, and he's more convinced about it than I am. Uh, who do you think is a host that is being passed off as a human? Uh, I, so Lisa thinks that Bernard is the one that's, mm. that's the, the host. I mean, because Luke thinks the same thing. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of figured that there were hosts that were implanted in the company to, to kind of, kind of as a test and and stuff like that i actually think i was I, my i think it's the the well i did think it was the corporate chick um my opinion has changed on that i don't think it's her anymore i'm kind of leaning towards the bernard because that makes the interactions he's had with dolores a lot more interesting when he is clearly in those conversations able to to influence her like oh uh, wait, stop. Analysis. What did you mean by that? Or, or he's able. Okay, stop doing the accent. He's able to to wield an enormous amount of power over over Dolores. How interesting would that power be if he were also a host? Is is kind of what I think. Okay, with that in mind, do you think, let's say Bernard is a host? Do you think he knows he is? No. No, I think, and I think that's the point. If there are embedded hosts, then they have no conscious awareness that they are a host. They think they're real people. It, it's very much like the Cylon sleeper agents from Battlestar, like like what Boomer was. They they may have a switch, like maybe if if the right phrase word along with something else, because like like a phrase word, I don't think would be would be enough to kind of turn him on that because like who knows what could accidentally be said around him especially among other actual humans but i think there there's an additional trigger that maybe could set him off um another possibility might be i'm trying to think if there's anyone else uh oh anthony hopkins i think he'd be yeah. a great choice for a host for a, he'd be an interesting he, he would definitely be an interesting choice um i so, as I said, Luke and I have discussed this quite a bit. I don't know if I, at three episodes in, I don't know if I think any of the people who um, are human 
are actually hosts and, you know, either secretly or, you know, not even knowing. I'm I'm not yet convinced that that is a possibility. I'm not discounting it because there's a ton we do not know yet. This this show, um, for all that it fails to explain anything and for all that whole scenes go by that I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck just happened and yet I am intrigued. I think we know enough about the hosts and their history and the pains that this company has taken to making them as lifelike as possible. And yet still there are these issues because technology isn't perfect. I think that it might be nigh on impossible for there to be a host in and amongst the humans, whether knowingly or unknowingly as, as thinking it's a host or thinking it's a human. I, I could be wrong. We might find be finding out some stuff that we don't know, but I feel like the a host that is, if Bernard, say, was a host, he would have to be such a specialized piece of machinery with a completely different type of programming, one that would, you know, like you said, he'd have to have a very specialized trigger to make him, you know, essentially... To, to be able to influence him, I, I would have to think he would have to have no triggers. He would have to be a completely autonomous, sentient being, uh, robot of whatever kind, because there's too much of a chance in, in a facility that has, um, that basically all your computer programming is, is taking place verbally where he could easily overhear commands happening all the time. I, I think I, I don't know. I, I think we would have seen something happen, but who knows? But that's been kind of one of the big questions. One of the other things that we've had a lot of fun talking about is just the the absolute morality issues that um, have been coming up already with the, the people who have been visiting the park and what they are expected to do, what the company totally doesn't even bat an eye at them doing, Um what kind of ramifications this can have on people. Like at one point, one of the characters literally just offhanded comment says people come here to rape and pillage. And they, they do, they show up. And on a regular basis, we see humans who are just gleefully raping, pillaging, murdering, destroying. And yeah, there's on the one hand that these are not real quote unquote, but on the other, these are incredibly lifelike simulations and you're immersed in this world for days, if not, I, I think they said they're two week stints. That's got to have a psychological impact. Yeah. Like someone asked me, would you go to Westworld? Like if you had the means and you could mm -hmm. like the decision was all of a sudden, do you go, do you go or not go? I don't know that I would go like well okay it, it's easy to say from this side of the of the viewing port because i know what happens to people i i see how it influences otherwise quote unquote good people to do really and it doesn't really matter that these are artificial beings i mean they are what you do sort of reflects who you are like in any game like if you play gta 5 as an asshole just killing everyone chances are you're an asshole i mean 
as escapist as it is, you tend to play games how you are. And I, I've noticed that when I play Mass Effect, I tend to stick with the Paragon side. Yes, there are a couple mm-hmm. times where I'll do like a renegade uh, interjection where I'll shoot a guy or I'll shoot something off or I'll punch someone. Um, and then there are times I don't when like a really popular renegade interjection was to punch that reporter. And I refuse because it's on camera. So that's <laughs> fucking stupid if you do. And also she's a woman and I, I, I mean, man or woman, it's bad to punch people, but I, in my mind, I've just refused to punch a lady. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, that's, that's not something that I would do. And I, and I very much think that, uh, that, that, that Westworld has that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to think if I had the means to go, I, I, I do want to go like, I'm fascinated by that kind of total immersion. I would like to think that, um, cause I'm the same way. If I play an RPG, when I play Dungeons and Dragons, uh, when I've played Oblivion and Skyrim and Mass Effect and all those, I, I play as the hero. I am, my power fantasy is as the hero of the story. And I tend to be the goody two shoes hero who wants to save everybody and do all the right things and you know, make all the right decisions and, I would like to think in that situation, uh, you know, especially knowing it's a game and, um, you know, we've already had characters point out the, oh, don't make eye contact with that guy because then he's going to want to just, you know, drag you into the side quest and I don't want to do the side quest. And, you know, having game gamer reactions to what this is, which is it should be a game. Um, that I would I would be the person trying to save everybody and be the white hat. But you know what? You never you never know. And even in all of those games and where I've played through is the the paragon of everything, a couple of those games I then went back and created a, a second character to at least play through some of the game on the other side. Oblivion, uh, I played an entire second playthrough as um an assassin character because I wanted to see what the Dark Brotherhood storyline was. So I can't discount the idea that I would make some decisions knowing that there are no consequences. My favorite character so far, or I guess not character, but but guest that we've seen was that one chick that was running around with Teddy where where she stayed with him through the fight with Wyatt's men where they were showing up and being all creepy. The other guests ran, some of the hosts ran and she stayed by Teddy's side and, and he, until the bitter end. Yeah. He had to say, look, I am the only one left. You have to get away. And obviously, well, not obviously we don't like they say, yeah, guests can't get hurt. But in this storyline, I don't know. Like this storyline that Anthony Hopkins is making with these fucking creepy guys and this Wyatt, like this seems like a catalyst to an accident. And I think people who are fans of the movie who are watching this show know, and actually I guess just about anyone who's savvy about these kinds of shows know that that's coming. Like that is going to be a major event where like everything quote unquote changes is when a host kills a guest. And so it's kind of like Chekhov's 
host killing <laughs> guest. It's like it's there, and we yeah. know that is going to be fired, but it's we're just waiting for when. And it's it's not even obliquely there. It's one of the first things you hear. Uh, someone say is there hasn't been an accident in this park in what they say 30 years like that's one of the first things you hear in the underground complex and yeah the that scene with her what makes that much more uh insidious is we had just had a scene with um the 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 guy and the girl who are uh, tracking down the runaway and they come across the the cowboys who are stuck in the infinite loop by the fireplace or mm-hmm. by the, yeah. the campfire. And yeah. they drop a very important piece of information, which is there is only one character in this whole posse that is allowed to use a bladed weapon that's allowed to use the axe. And because that one character has this issue happen he won't pick up the axe because he won't pick up the axe and no one else can no one will go chop firewood and the story can't continue and so they're stuck there what is interesting about that is there are they have to designate characters uh hosts as being able to use axes knives bladed instruments because unlike a gun that they've obviously retrofitted to have you know, different consequences depending on who it's it's pointed at. Um, a blade really, you can't do that. A knife is a knife is a knife is a knife. And if you stab a host or if you stab a player, it's going to have the same consequences. So the fact that at the end, um, these creepy cultist people all had melee weapons, if I remember correctly. I, I think so. I, I don't remember specifically, but that does sound familiar. I know at least most of them, if not all of them, had what looked like knives and machetes and stuff, which means one of two things. One, those are all players, which is creepy. Or two, those are all hosts who have been authorized to use bladed weapons. And now you're relying on the programming of the host to avoid accidents and not just the programming of the host and the programming of the gun or the the actual thing. And that's, yeah, that's, I I think we might have seen not just as you, you referenced Chekhov's bladed weapon, but we've seen how it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's uh, when I was talking vaguely about, about Westworld and just saying how good of a show it was, I mentioned like there were all these little plot lines that are, that are really interesting that, and, and it wasn't too much. And we're starting to see some of those come to fruition, like Bernard's uh, interest in Dolores. And Dolores herself uh, just essentially, like we were talking about, she is probably the first host who is not clearly not authorized to use weapons, use a weapon. And, and that's pretty momentous. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes and, and how that affects other other hosts because she's she's clearly been able to have a, an effect on other hosts with her with the these danger these dead these violent desires have violent ends or whatever it was from, from yeah but it's it's gonna be interesting to see where this goes and I can't god- wait to talk about it more next week yeah yeah and goddamn is the acting overall really good and Anthony oh my Hopkins god Anthony. So- Okay, so actually, there's a couple of things I wanted to say. And about Ed Harris. Ed Harris and Ed is Harris. amazing. Oh, um, fucking Ed so Harris. Anthony Hopkins 
has has allowed us some very very interesting insights into this whole thing and it started when in the cold storage area we were talking to that older host the guy who played that host was amazing because mm-hmm. he was doing the very like robotic movements and i'm making robotic movements even though no one can see fucking tv <laughs> but like the way he did it was perfect because it looked like a very lifelike but also very animatronic disney character and that was that was brilliant and then the other moment i really loved was when you went into anthony hopkins office when he went to talk about bernard oh my god that was the fucking creepiest office i've ever seen with all the heads and all the faces and then the host piano player i God damn, Anthony Hopkins, why why you got to be creepy, man? Why why you got to be creepy? Because because he's he's Willy Wonka and um he's a little bit of of um Hammond from Jurassic Park and he's he's every eccentric, brilliant, slightly crazy, you know, millionaire billionaire building a a thing. He's it's and it's perfect and you know that talk he had with the host version of himself as a child. I mean, that whole discussion was, that was another one of those conversations and where I feel like that was such an intense, interesting, fascinating, deep conversation. But, oh, fuck, I'm not sure if I really understood what was going on. Was when, when he was talking with, with the kid version of himself, but then also that discussion he had with Bernard, um, like, yeah, he kind of, there was a story in the middle about this partner of his, but a lot of that discussion had depth to it that I'm not sure if we as audience members truly understand at least yet and took a, a very sudden manipulative turn that like, I literally paused the show as when the scene changed and I was just like, I need to unpack that conversation. Cause that was, that was deep and weird. <laughs> that whole thing was deep and weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, Oh my God. And with that, we should stop because I'm going to go watch the next episode. Yes. And uh, for those of you who stuck or stuck around, thank you so much for sticking with us. We love doing things. And I love that we now have a show that we, that is worthy of conversation after the fact. I mean, you could say that about walking dead. And if you haven't seen walking dead, yes, something, something happened in the, in the season premiere, but we won't go into that because this is not walking dead spoilers, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, shit happened. And, um, but again, Westworld, like I, I would have not pegged this as, as something that would be this interesting. I would have paid it. I, I would have considered it a yet another remake schlock, but it hasn't been. It's very much in the vein of Battlestar Galactica, where they took this, this property that was kind of okay, but also a little, a little cheesy, and then has turned it into something which has so far been very meaningful. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's made you think a lot. Yeah. And I mean, we're still we're not even halfway through the season, so things can change. But these first couple of episodes have already been well worth it. So I'm excited. Yeah. 
But anyway, again, thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next week with Jack and everyone else. And maybe more Civ, maybe something else. We'll see. See you soon. Bye. Bye. That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at GlibShark. You can even drop us a line, GlibShark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends. <laughs>